uh, today's sermon really began with a question from one of you guys. Um, One of you had asked me, uh, their specific question was, how can you be thankful when things aren't going your way? And I wa- that was really the question that started my thinking towards crafting this sermon this morning. Um, and I really believe that that's not a question that no one is asking. I think this is deep on all of our hearts. Because we all know that the Bible tells us to rejoice always. But yet there are times I don't feel like rejoicing, don't we? You know, yes, joy comes natural to me when times are good and times are easy, but what happens when, but how in the world do I rejoice when times are bad, when times are harsh? How do I have joy when I've lost a loved one? How do I be thankful when I just want to cry? How do I do that? How can I rejoice always? How is that possible? And my goal this morning in addressing this isn't to say you can do it by minimizing your pain or pretending that you weren't hurt or that things are actually going your way. You just need to count your blessings. I don't want to trivialize our pain by giving pleasantries like that. Rather, what I just want to do this morning is just share a couple of promises from the Word of God and maybe show how it all comes together and perhaps provide comfort for people going through that this morning. And a a, a sub-thesis of mine is that joy and sorrow are not actually mutually exclusive. They're not opposites. You can feel them both at the same time and not them be in tension, but them actually be together. And I hope that makes sense as we go on this morning. Because you can still rejoice and be thankful even as you're going through the darkest of possible circumstances. But it doesn't happen naturally. It it, it only happens when when you have a properly understood biblical worldview and a true relationship with the living God. Because So in short, this isn't something you can easily share with your friends who do not yet know Jesus. Because in short, the answer this morning is all about Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you. So in short, if you find your complete satisfaction in Christ, that satisfaction cannot be taken away. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in through any trial or loss. Let me try to explain what I mean from a different angle. Because you see, our worship service isn't designed to be like other churches are. Not that, other are, uh, not that how others are doing it are wrong, but we are not, dare I say, super high energy, overly cheerful, or as one person put it, happy clappy in our church. That wouldn't describe our worship service. Yes, we have moments like that. We certainly do. But that wouldn't categorize us as a congregation. That wouldn't categorize our worship service. But there is joy in this room, isn't there? There is joy in our worship. Even if it's not happy, clappy. Because there's a difference between being joyful and being over-caffeinated. There's a difference. 
And we do that on purpose. Again, not because other churches are doing it wrong. That's not what I'm trying to say. But there's some of you are going to be coming in here this morning not in a happy, clappy mood. Because, frankly, you know, in a room like this, you know, there's going to be upcoming surgeries. There's prodigal sons and daughters, a bad diagnosis, financial worries. We just had a storm come through, the, through this northeast area. Um, it could have been worse, but could have, could have been better. Uh, and grief, certainly grief in this room. And, you know, as, as a pastor, I've had the responsibility of talking to people who have lost loved ones, lost careers, lost their homes. And they come and they're looking at me being like, what do you got for me, pastor? I, I better be able to offer them something more than be happy, be joyful. It's good. It's all good. Our faith ought to give us deeper answers than that. What do you tell those people? Rather, I, I, rather than offering something superficial, I want to be able to offer an experience of a kind of joy that can be felt through even the, the, the worst that life has to offer. And that's what we purposely model our worship for in our services Sunday after Sunday. Not to get caught up in the wave of emotionalism, but to offer truths, biblical truths that can anchor you in the harshest of times. In short, I want what the prophet Jeremiah had when we read from him this morning. As he wrote the book of Lamentations, he had lost everything. Literally watched, no doubt, as he watched Jerusalem burn to the ground, no doubt he watched people that he knew and loved perish. He watched places where he grew up and knew get destroyed. So he wasn't just, just having a bad day when he penned these words. In his own words, his happiness had perished. His hope had eventually evaporated. But then he calls this to mind, he said in verse 21, And therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And by the way, by saying they never end, that includes times of sorrow and suffering. God doesn't just turn off the blessings, the love, and the mercy when you go, when you go through bad times. He doesn't just turn that off and say, okay, now you're going to go through a time without my mercy and without my love. Good luck. No, he, his love and his mercy is with you even in that time. Through it and in it. And he goes on to say, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And yes, if you have a King James Version this morning and you're looking at this text, that is where they get that, that, the text for that great hymn that we love. Great is thy faithfulness. It's like the author just copied and pasted right from one to the other. And that tells us something. It wasn't the good or easy times that either Jeremiah or the hymn writer put those words to paper. It was in the darkest of times. It was in difficult times that he was able to say, God is faithful. 
Because faithfulness is revealed in those dark moments. Faithfulness is only talked about during the good and easy times. It's easy to talk about being faithful when times are easy. It's good on someone's wedding day when they say, I will be faithful to you when the emotions are high and the feelings are positive. But it's the faithfulness is revealed 10, 20, 30, 50 years later into the marriage. And you've gone through horrible circumstances and trials and remained faithful. That's when faithfulness is revealed. Not in the dark, not in the easy times, but in the difficult times. And it's being revealed to Jeremiah in this, that no, God is faithful. He's promised over and over again that we can trust him. And that he will provide for your every need when you need him. Financially, spiritually, emotionally, he will provide. Not always with what we want, but always with what we need. And, you know, it needs to be said that plenty of people come to Jesus under the false premise that Jesus is going to make them happy all the time and never let them be sad and give them stuff so that they will be happy because of their stuff. And it breaks my heart because inevitably those people will say, I came to Jesus to get happy and now Jesus has failed me. And I... I can't help but to feel bad for those people because it's not usually their fault. Usually a bad salesman had sold them a bad product. Gave them Jesus for an unintended use. You know, come to Jesus and he will give you stuff. He will give you good health. He will give you wealth and other false teachings that the Bible doesn't promise. Because Jesus is not a lottery ticket to make you wealthy. Nor is Jesus an FDA-approved drug to, make, to, make, to be served as an antidepressant. There will be dark times, but he is there with you in it, which is his promise to us. You see, Jesus did not die on the cross to make you happy. He died on the cross to make you holy. There's a big difference there. He died on the cross to secure your place in heaven, to secure your adoption as a son or daughter of the king. He died to, so that the veil would be torn. The thing that symbolized the separation between God and man would be torn and, and removed so that we can have fellowship with the one true God. That's why he died. To give us those things, not mere happiness. And, but you know, most of the time when I meditate on those truths of what Jesus has done for me, it makes me feel happy, of course. But it makes me feel things that are much deeper than that too. I feel loved knowing that he did that for me when I was still yet a sinner. Not when I was at my best, but when I was at my worst is when Christ died for me, the Bible tells me. I feel secure as I think about these truths, knowing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews 13 tells me. That these, none of these promises are going to change with the changing of the seasons and the changing of the times. But this will always remain true. That I never have to feel alone because he is with me. 
and I never have to feel lost or worried because he is my provider who will take care of me when I don't know where my help will come from. But frankly, we do. As one of my favorite Psalms tells us in Psalm 121, verse uh, verse 1 just tells us, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then Jeremiah concludes this section of Lamentations, jumping back to our text, saying in verse 24 that the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the antithesis of those who come to Jesus to get stuff. Because in reality, we come to Jesus to get Jesus. He is our all-satisfying portion. I can literally lose everything that I have in this lifetime. And the wealth that I have in Christ is worth more than all the billionaires combined. Because their wealth is only for this lifetime. and can only help and solve with material problems. And if the United States were to go through something that Jeremiah had seen in the falling of Jerusalem, he would lose everything. But we would still have everything. So when things aren't going my way, when I've experienced deep loss through the deepest possible pain, I can say, God is enough. He is good. He is sufficient. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And to paraphrase Psalm 73, one of my favorite portions of Scripture, it says, my flesh and my heart may fail. My flesh, my heart, my marriage, my ministry, my academics, my job, my reputation, and even my lost loved one might fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. To say that from your heart out of a deep love and trust in your Savior can be shocking to the world around us. Because there's no category to explain it. You could, anyone could be happy when things are good, but for a Christian to be able to say that through the darkest of times, there's, there, you'll search for a whole lifetime to find something comparable to the gospel and these comforting truths in those times of loss. You know, I think of the jailers uh, when uh, Paul and Silas were put into prison in Acts chapter 16. <laughs> you know, when most people get put into jail, it's somber, it's sad, it's miserable experience. Not these two, not Paul and Silas. They were up until midnight singing hymns and praying and praising God until God did a miracle and just br- and brought them out of that prison. And the jailer, amazed at all of this that had happened, after hearing them singing and praying for hours and then God freeing them from this, he was undone. He had nothing left to say but... Guys, what must I do to be saved? Or in other words, 
I have no idea what's going on, but you guys have something that I don't have and I need. Help me. Because when people, people do what Paul and Silas did in Acts chapter 16, you either belong in the loony bin or, you, or they have something amazing that the world so desperately needs. It's, uh, it's funny, you know, I reminded a family member of, uh, of these truths at a, at a funeral. And um, one family member came up to me and in a genuine and honest way said, you know, John, you, you made it sound like it's a good thing that this happened. And I want to be careful with my words. I'm not trying to say that something bad or hurtful was good. But I am saying that God can take something that is hurtful to you, something that was intended for wickedness, something that was painful, and bring good from it and through it to bless us. What I'm saying is God has a plan, and as we read before, that he works all things together for good, for those who love God. And that includes the evil, wicked, and painful things that happen to us in this lifetime. As James himself reminded us, we can consider it pure joy when we face various trials of various kinds, knowing that he is working in it to grow us, to perfect us. And so I want to conclude this morning with a light paraphrase of Pastor Alistair Begg, who spoke these humorous words after uh, visiting a church when he was traveling, and I hope you'll be blessed by his words too. He said after the first song, when the worship leader stepped up to the microphone, he said to the church, how are you all feeling this morning? He said, if you knew how I felt, felt this morning, you'd wonder if I was a Christian at all. At half past eight on a Sunday, don't ask me how I feel, I'm barely alive. I spilled my coffee this morning. Someone took my parking space. I didn't have time to read my Bible. It was raining outside. I'm a miserable wretch. And you want to ask me how I feel? I feel rotten this morning. What you got for me, pastor? He says, rather, ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Ask me what promises I know from his word. Ask me what I know that can deal with my soul. That's why it's what we know rather than what we feel that fuels us. We only have something to sing about once we've been reminded of these truths. That you have been ransomed, you've been healed, you've been restored. Only once you look away from yourself that you are able to worship. Not when you start by looking within. Only then will you have something that can fuel your praise. And South Amboy, that is our encouragement this morning. <laughs> Rather than looking inward, being led by our feelings, let us look upward. Let us look to God. Let Him be our all-satisfying portion. That our flesh, our heart, and our circumstances may fail, but God is the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Let that be our guiding light this morning, that the steadfast love of the Lord is that anchor for our souls. 
His mercies are new every morning. And indeed, as that great hymn reminds us, great is his faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Amen.